Jesus, please take us from this grandstand world. It's time we got into the game. I was sinking deep in sin, far from a peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, all my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling, in his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing, love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs, Faithful loving service too. To him belongs. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He your savior wants to be. Be saved today. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. Love lifted me. Special thanks to Alexander Nakarada for his tune, Might Magic. An Eye for an Eye. Deuteronomy 19.15-21 through 21 gives some rules that were revered and enforced in ancient Israel. Here are those verses. One witness is not enough to convict a man accused of any crime or offense he may have committed. A matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness takes the stand to accuse a man of a crime, the two men involved in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priest's and the judges who are in office at the time. 
the judges must make a thorough investigation, and if the witness proves to be a liar giving false testimony against his brother, then do to him as he intended to do to his brother. You must purge the evil from among you. The rest of the people will hear of this and be afraid, and never again will such an evil thing be done among you. Show no pity. Life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Have you seen any indication that verse 20 is still true today? Maybe in the ancient past, people may have been frightened by the prospect that they would have done to them what they did to others. But today, with a seeming increase in hardened, calloused hearts, criminals seem to casually walk through the justice system with little remorse. Does this leave a message for those on this same path to correct their ways? Will the ideal mentioned in verse 20 ever come to pass? Will the rest of the people hear of this and be afraid? Does it look as if never again will such an evil thing be done among us? No, evil has been among us consistently even since the laws mentioned in Deuteronomy were enforced. Daily we read of increasing hatred and more hardened hearts as criminals do their wicked deeds with what appears as no conscience whatsoever. I don't know how successful this was back in the ancient times, but the promise given in Deuteronomy 19 that claims we can purge the evil from among us by doing the same thing back to the criminal appears to have not really worked or at least is failing today. However, if we look at Deuteronomy 19 differently, the advice given by God in ancient times does work today. We need to think of ourselves individually as a tribe or city in which the evil must be purged. People often show us our deeply embedded sins by their behavior toward us. How, you ask, is this possible? We are so blind to our own infestations or internal issues, it often takes someone else to show us what is going on deep within us. When we are upset and want to do to others what they've done to us because of our anger festering within, we are as much in need of healing through Christ Jesus as they are. Therefore, Jesus reverses the law of Moses by asking us to love and forgive others instead of doing to them what they did to us. Jesus knows that he is the fulfillment of Moses' laws, and he wants us to experience God's forgiveness of our sins. Jesus knows that this is accomplished only through him as we humbly turn all wrath we would bestow on others over to him so that he can dissipate it, bringing forgiveness and healing on the deepest level to the forgiver, us, and hopefully the forgiven, them. The prophet and savior for today, Jesus, gives instruction that will assist us in the purging of evil from our defiled hearts. 
Here is what Jesus said as recorded in Matthew 5.38-5.45. through 545. You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist evil. But whoever shall strike you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. And to him desiring to sue you and to take away your tunic, let him have your coat also. And whoever shall compel you to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you, and you shall not turn away from him who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you, so that you may become sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. I really appreciate thinking about the difference in Moses' law in the Old Testament and Jesus' expansion of the law in the New Testament. The Old Testament becomes more relevant about Jesus' interpretation of it in the New Testament if you think of the city or tribe as an individual rather than a whole city or tribe made up of individuals. For instance, if we have within us infestations that go against the laws of God upon recognition of these deeply ingrained thought patterns, usually brought out of us by our reaction to other people, we should kill them or stone them. We need to give them up immediately to purge ourselves of thoughts that will spread, infesting our whole individual walk with Christ, and maybe even to the body of Christ, if we allow it to linger, mingling with our other thoughts. Jesus said to go against the grain of humanity's obsession to return evil for evil. He didn't say to ignore those who do evil to us, which would be the next step down from an attitude of vengefulness, but he said to actually love them. For heaven's sake, we complain, how can he ask us to do such an abhorrent deed? Love them? How? Being a Christian is not an easy task. It is not easy precisely because we aren't that much involved in the process. It is most difficult for us to ease off on our obsession to be in charge in all our affairs. All Christ asks of us is that we humbly submit our lives totally to Him, our Lord and Savior, and allow Him to make the changes within us and in our lives. We are not expected to be wizards or magicians able to make a potion to drink or shout abracadabra and voila, instantly be able to love the unlovable. What is so difficult to remember is that we are not in charge of our growth. We are only in charge of when we are going to allow him to change us from the inside out. If we have a prideful heart and insist on doing it ourselves, we are going to desecrate the process 
and feel a sense of failure brought on by our inability to reach our goal of loving those who don't appear to deserve our love. Our humble heart is the only way to be successful, for it is the humble heart in Christ that, through Him, can accomplish the impossible. We've got to let Christ take our burdens and trust Him to heal any circumstances we may find ourselves in. If we lack the understanding that with God all things are possible, we could easily detour onto a fruitless road of trying to handle everything ourselves. In addition, if we think that with God all things are possible, but use this knowledge for self-gain, we will find ourselves caught up in worthless goals toward worldly gain, which, though possible with God, they are far from satisfying. The key here is in focusing on God's goals, which are stated quite clearly in the Bible, and know, beyond a doubt, that with God these goals can be accomplished. Then we unleash the almighty power of our living God toward His clearly stated goals. Do not make the mistake in thinking God won't reward you for following Moses' upgraded precepts and laws, now stated by Jesus Christ. He will reward you abundantly, and He will give you signs now that you are a true lover of His Son, Jesus Christ, who said, If you love me, follow my commands. No longer do we seek vengeance against those who have mistreated us, but, with complete submission to Christ, we now offer love. The eye-for-an-eye mentality of old must be transformed into an outpouring of Christ's love, which we gladly give to this hurting world. Take the first step if you haven't already done so, and humbly pray for the Lord to take your sins away and allow Him residence in your heart. Realize that Jesus died on the cross for you and make Him your most valuable treasure here on earth as you eagerly follow His commands to love those who are the hardest to love. Lord, grant me vision beyond the ancient law of eye for eye and tooth for tooth. Give me a heart like Jesus, who told us to love one another as ourselves and to even go so far as to love our enemies and pray for them. This seems impossible to me, Lord, but I know you can. Please, Lord, I submit my heart to you so that you may work your blessings through me. I will step out in faith as you, dear Lord, make the impossible happen. love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and His glory, of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. I love to tell the story 
Tis pleasant to repeat What seems each time I tell it More wonderfully sweet I love to tell the story For some have never heard The message of salvation From God's own holy word I love to tell the story T'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story Of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story for those who know it best Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song T'will be the old, old story that I have loved so long I love to tell the story, t'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it's true. It satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. I love to tell the story, t'will be my theme in glory, to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat What seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet I love to tell the story, for some have never heard The message of salvation from God's own holy word I love to tell the story, t'will be my theme in glory To tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love I love to tell the story for those who know it best Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest And when in scenes of glory I sing the new, new song T'will be the old, old story that I have loved so long I love to tell the story I love to tell the story Special thanks to Kevin McLeod for his tune, Porch Swing Days, Slower, found at Incompetech.com. Jesus, please take us from this grandstand world. It's time we got into the game. We're so tired of this grandstand world Where feelings never seem to change Sometimes this world seems so unjust I think we'll find, I hope we'll find That through your mind, the sidelines aren't for us 